1: Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. You have made it. It is day 16 of our adventurous Atlas Obscura Advent Calendar. And it's the beginning of our fourth and final theme week, what I'm calling the human experiment. Before we get to that, I have a little Atlas Obscura experiment I want to talk about. So I've been working on Atlas with my co-founder Josh for uh, almost 14 years. And it started as an art project and a website when we were both in our 20s. And it's grown to include a big book publishing business, an international trips business, uh, events, obviously this podcast, and and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's grown into a pretty successful enterprise along the way. And so I am saying all of this because we are doing a small fundraising round. We've done funding rounds before, uh, but this time we wanted to open it up to a larger Atlas Obscura community. So... If you are an accredited investor, which usually means you've invested in other private businesses before, and you wanna hear more, you can reach out to me at dylan atlasobscura.com, and I can tell you all about the fundraising round and the business. Okay, back to the show. So we've spent the last 15 episodes exploring space, going to the extremes of Earth to understand how life began and hanging out with our animal co-inhabitants of planet Earth. And we've finally arrived at the strangest animals of them all. Primates, comma, humans, comma, subspecies, Podcastius. And so the question is, is how did we begin? Where did our story start? It is a profoundly complicated story. We may have started multiple times in multiple ways. But one surprising and interesting place to look is the country of Georgia in a place called Manisi. Today, we're joining producer Johanna Mayer and Atlas editor Gemma Tarlik to go to Manisi and find this collection of human bones well over a million years old that are adding a new layer to the ancient story of the earliest days of humanity.
0: A few years ago, Atlas Obscura's senior editor Gemma Tarlik came across a scientific study that blew her
1: mind. Five 1.8 million year old skulls that had been found at this site. They were the largest concentration of human skull fossils from this period ever found in the world. They were the oldest uh, human skull fossils found outside of Africa. And I had never heard of them. I had never heard of this site. And I just, I did kind of get obsessed with it. And I had to go there.
0: This place is called Diminisi It's an archaeological site in the country of Georgia, which is nestled between Russia, Turkey, Armenia, and Azerbaijan.
1: So... When I was there, which was a few years ago, uh, there was no public transportation because it's really kind of in in the south central part of Georgia in a very rural area. And, uh, you know, so you leave Tbilisi, which is a, a major city, lots of traffic, lots of trucks. And as you're driving south and west of the capital, the roads are getting more and more narrow and there are fewer trucks and more sheep. And you really feel like you're going back in time. And then you kind of dip down into the, the road hugs the side of this rocky ravine and it's not paved in a lot of places. And you are alone. The only living things I saw on that final stretch of road were feral dogs. So it really felt like you were going back in time to this place that was still very wild and untamed.
0: I'm Johanna Mayer, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, I'm talking with Atlas Obscura's senior editor, Gemma Tarlek, about her trip to Dumanisi, a site that Gemma says challenges what we think we know about our deep past. After this... Diminisi sits in a special place. It's in Georgia, right at the crossroads
1: of Europe and Asia. It was also, in a lot of ways, a crossroads from Africa, because the climate conditions were such that a lot of African species were moving up out of Africa into this area, and they were encountering species from Europe and from Asia.
0: And once you make that trip up that long winding road and you get kind of to the top of the hill, what is
1: the site like? the overall site. It's really fascinating because there's a working monastery, there's a medieval fortress. I think one of the things that really struck me as I was walking up to the actual site is it's pretty small, the area that they've excavated. It's maybe the size of a house and a modest house, but it's an open air site. As you walk up to it, you're like, what are all those white rocks sticking out of the excavation pits? And the closer you get, the, then you realize they're bones. Oh, my God. There are just so many bones, tens of thousands of bones that they found from uh, very ancient human ancestors, but also just an incredible realm of, spe- of species. Rhinos, elephants, giant cheetahs, giant jaguars, ridiculous Biodiversity at this site. All of these bones that you're talking about
0: are all just in that small area, the size yes. of the house. Why? Yeah. Why would a giant pit of bones <laughs> <laughs> happen there? What happened? Well, was there
1: something sinister? About? No, no. It's it's the circle of life, my friend. <laughs> uh, it's really a combination of factors. So if, if you zoom into the actual site, and you can imagine this. Kind of densely forested area that overlooks a river. For a predator, it is a really great space to hang out, and you're able to see quite a bit around you because you're up above a lot of the forested uh-huh. parts. When you've got very wet, oh, humid forests, climates. Yeah. yeah, and dry, arid kind of coming together. So there were a lot of resources between the river and the forests. A lot of resources for a lot of different animals particularly predators. Uh, There is just a crazy number of carnivore bones that have been found there.
0: I mean, does that include
1: humans also? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've spoken with several researchers who've worked there over the years, and they all, you know, pretty much say, well, humans... Probably tried to be predators, but <laughs> at this point in history, um, they were probably most likely prey. Now, some not the,
0: yet at yeah, the top of the food
1: chain. <laughs> they were, you know, small. They were small-brained um, and not really capable of a lot of the complex thought patterns and actions mm-hmm. that later uh, folks in the genus Homo could have handled. But that said, you know, one of the really interesting things about those five skulls that kind of started this obsession of mine Mm -hmm. is uh, one of the skulls is from an elderly person. They can tell that by the various changes in the bone. Um, What's really interesting about that particular skull is that there is a lot of reabsorption of the jawbone. And what that means is that this individual lost their teeth years before their death. It would have been impossible to say, chew tough meat. To survive, yeah. Yeah. The fact that this individual lived well into old age without teeth tells us they had to be cared for. They had to have someone helping them get sustenance. And that to me is really extraordinary because a lot of times when we think of ancient members of our family tree we kind of think of oh they were you know they were animals they weren't humans they weren't capable of society and civilization and and compassion even and and this shows that you know 1.77 million years ago uh there were members of our family tree who were really caring for each other and helping each other survive in that way it's like
0: very moving it is it is (laughs) yeah
1: so you said that
0: they had small brains, like literally smaller brains, yes. right? But um, there's a study from 2021 that even though the Dmanisi homonyms had small brains, they were still able to do big things, right?
1: Yeah. And that's what's really fascinating, too, because, you know, we kind of assume we're we're such exceptionalists. We assume that because we have such nice big brains that we're capable of a lot of things that earlier members in our family tree, in our lineage, just couldn't handle. And between caring for an individual without teeth, which requires a complex set of behaviors, uh, and they were making different kinds of tools, they appeared to be at least trying to hunt <laughs> animals in an organized way granted you know maybe giants. not succeeding
0: <laughs> well I, th-
1: I think one step at a time i think they probably succeeded but then i also think the giant cheetahs probably succeeded, also
0: succeeded? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone yeah. was succeeding along the food chain <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're just finding all these really interesting behaviors that for a long time paleoanthropologists thought, oh, only humans are capable of this. One of the things that struck me when I started speaking to researchers who've devoted their careers to working there is um, one of them said, you know, this is the first place where humans experienced winter. Early in our lineage, when we were in Africa, there's not a huge seasonal change in terms of temperature. Mm -hmm. There's the dry season and the wet season, yes, but when you get up into this area where Europe and Asia meet, there are serious winters, there's Mm -hmm. snow. So I just, in addition to the fact that people were caring for this, at least one member of their group who was elderly and no longer able to eat on their own they had to figure out shelter. They had to figure out uh, something warm to wear. They had to figure out what to eat when there was nothing in bloom and nothing growing. So when I think of Demonisi, I always think of, you know, that was where the human story encountered its first winter. And that always touches me as well. So... What happened to Dimenisi? In a word, volcanoes. Not a real destructive, catastrophic eruption, but at the time it was a volcanically active area. And there was just a big pile of ash that fell on this site. After that ash fell, there were no more fossils of this kind of incredible biodiversity But we think that just over time, uh, paleoanthropologists and archaeologists, geologists all believe that maybe over a period of a few decades, this ash kind of gently fell and drove the predators away and the prey as well.
0: Those volcanoes, they just really put an end to a lot of things on
1: Earth. (laughs) But you know what's really great about these particular volcanoes is that there was an eruption right before this period of incredible biodiversity. And then there was an eruption that ended this period. So Hmm. from the perspective of a paleontologist trying to date these fossils, it is Pretty convenient. Yeah, it's super (laughs) wonderful because they are able to date really specifically. Precisely. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Why is this place so under the radar? Why have I
0: never heard about it before?
1: I think there are a number of factors. You know, Georgia has gone through... A lot of very significant uh, political and social upheaval Mm. going from Soviet Republic to independent country with a a lot Mm. of growing pains. Uh, I think that's one reason. You know, I I also think that sometimes there's there's kind of a bias in paleoanthropology that, oh, all the important sites are in Eastern Africa. Mm. And uh, it can be challenging to get on the radar when everyone is so focused elsewhere on the map. And you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it should be a UNESCO site. I think it should be on everyone's radar. I think there should be, at the very least, a massive visitor center where you can buy postcards. You know, yeah, there's, there's like nothing, <laughs> like a national park poster. <laughs> yeah, it's really an extraordinary site, and it's significant to our story, in so many different ways. As I was walking around it, and I was the only tourist there. So it was just Ugh. me and the caretaker we were walking <laughs> yeah. around. Um, and he didn't speak English. Um, I don't speak Georgian. <laughs> there was some getting lost in translation, but we were doing our best to communicate. So, you know, there was that aspect, just being very aware of being in a, a place very different um, than I am in my day-to-day. But even more so, there was a sense of history continuing. And mm-hmm. as we were walking around, you know, we walked by the monastery, and there was a monk um, who was tending bees, because that's what the monastery does. So he was taking care of his bees. And, you know, there are frescoes that are hundreds of years old, mm-hmm. still on the walls. And so you really had a sense of the full scale of human time. Even though we've only been around for like a drop in the bucket, geologically time speaking, um, you really had a sense of our whole lineage kind of playing out at this site.
0: That was Atlas Obscura's senior editor, Gemma Tarlik, talking about Dimenisi. You can read her full article about the site on atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our show notes. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes
2: Dylan Thuris
0: Doug Baldinger
2: Chris Naka
0: Camille Stanley Baudelaire Gabby Gladney Our technical director is Casey Holford This episode was sound designed by Manolo Morales and mixed by
2: Luce Fleming
0: Our theme and uncredited music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Johanna Mayer, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time.
2: The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. You find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around.